0: Did you hear about the new female rapper?
1: No, I don't think so.
0: I forgot her name, but here she has a really mean flow.
1: <laughs> is that a period joke?
0: It is a period <laughs> pun sent to us by my cousin Joshua. Oh. So I should note that PNS jokes are not funny, period. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, I'll stop overreacting. <laughs> They're just jokes, and those are from Haley.
1: Hey, Mm -hmm. (laughs) well, thank you to Phil's cousin, Joshua, for the excellent period of time.
0: Welcome to Red Dot Project. I'm Phil.
1: And I'm Haley.
0: This podcast is about
1: homelessness, menstruation, social justice,
0: the social service field,
1: gender equality,
0: current events in the GTA, and other stuff that we come up with right before we record. (laughs) But in this episode, we are going to be talking about Toronto Blue Jays stuff, Headley stuff, and uh, I think you get the idea. So let's get into it. So I don't know how much you follow baseball, Haley.
1: Not at all.
0: Okay, well, in Toronto, we have a team called the Toronto Blue Jays.
1: Yeah, I knew that much.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, on the Toronto Blue Jays, just actually a couple days ago, they ended up trading a pitcher by the name of Roberto Osuna. Have you heard of him?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: And what have you heard about him?
1: I heard that he was charged with domestic violence, I believe.
0: Yes, uh that is correct. Mm-hmm. So May 8th he was charged with the domestic assault. At the time there was not too much details and still there aren't too many details mm-hmm. made available to the public. But since that assault occurred, the Major League Baseball has suspended him for 75 games in which he did not appeal that decision, mm-hmm. which is quite rare like baseball players when they get suspended for stuff like stuff they do on camera national tv games and it's like a five game suspension they will like appeal it Mm -hmm. so the fact that he didn't appeal a 75 game suspension for domestic uh, assault is some might say telling Mm -hmm. of maybe what occurred
1: yeah that he's not trying to deny Mm -hmm. that it happened
0: yep for sure so The reason why, I guess, in the last couple of weeks, he's been more in the news is because it was coming to a point where he was going to be eligible to come play again Mm. for the Toronto Blue Jays. And so there was a big debate about whether or not we should welcome him back on the team. Knowing what we know, and again, it's not a lot. We just know that police were called. Mm -hmm. He got charged. Spent a night in the cell and that got leaked. The social media, people saw pictures of it. But that's a separate issue, and then the baseball—they suspended him. So now he's getting to the point where he's coming up to the end of his suspension. He's able to play again, according to the commissioner, and also his trial is going to be, start to begin shortly. Mm-hmm. So
1: surprise, it's getting to that point. I guess we'll see mm-hmm. what happens. Uh... At the trial yeah
0: like usually these things don't go this far mm-hmm. if there weren't enough evidence yeah. to let it get to this point
1: exactly
0: so the Toronto Blue Jays decided and I think they decided a while ago that they were just going to trade him or release him or do whatever like either way they weren't going to have him knowing the information that they know about it event that occurred mm-hmm. they weren't going to have him back in the uniform playing for the Toronto Blue Jays mm-hmm. Now they didn't make that like widely known to us fans, but I think a lot of the baseball insiders that cover the team knew that this is sort of the path they're going to take mm-hmm. so they did trade them to the Houston Astros, and there was quite a big fan reaction towards that in a lot of ways so that leads us to sort of what we want to talk about today is how do people react when their celebrities or their pro athletes commit these type of crimes whether it's domestic violence related or it's sexual assault or you know other stuff like that Um, i was actually a little impressed that there were quite a bit of people that did defend the blue jays or defend the fact that we just shouldn't have a guy that does something like that on the team Mm -hmm. but of course there were a lot of fans both men and women that said he's guilty into proven innocent. What about second chances? Let me uh, pull some up and let's see what they said. There are some blog sites like in Toronto, we have BlogTO and NARS City. And they're sort of like our city guides to what's happening and stuff like that. And they even took a pretty hard stance on really criticizing the return we got for him because he was a young pitcher. I think he was around 23 and he was considered one of the best at what he does. So obviously on the sports aspect, it's not ideal to get rid of a player that that's y- that young with that much potential. But these blogs somewhat made it clear that they weren't satisfied with, with the return. There are people like, and I'm going to call them out because if if they put their names out there and they make these comments, I don't think I need to hide it. Mm-hmm. But uh, Jason Salazar says from HAP, now it's Osuna. Totally agree with the worst decision ever made by the management of the Toronto Blue Jays. Can we just separate personal life from sports?
1: I don't think you can really do that (laughs) when uh, something like domestic assault or sexual assault is concerned because it's not a victimless crime.
0: For sure. And, you know, that's what bugs me a lot is people say your personal life shouldn't bleed into your work life.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: But yet people like you and I that work in the field that we do, if we got a charge in almost Mm -hmm. any type of charge, we would lose our job. We yes. would lose our careers mm-hmm. because we often are working with people who are considered part mm-hmm. of the vulnerable sector and we are in position of influence and mm-hmm. power.
1: Absolutely.
0: So if we show that we can't handle that, we mm-hmm. lose our jobs and that's it. We have to find something else to do.
1: Yeah. Another reason why you can't necessarily separate the two is because it's indicative of a larger cultural phenomenon. It's not just saying, why can't we separate personal from professional life? You know, if it was some other crime that's a little bit more minor, like public intoxication or something like that, but you can't really say that for domestic assault because it's something that is pervasive and it's something that's indicative of sexism and of men having more power over women and like having sort of that, that right to it and using force to to demonstrate that and to sustain that power it's something that for a long time was culturally accepted like across our culture and various other cultures and is only starting to really be challenged
0: yeah for sure and we're at a point right now where the statistics say worldwide one in three women experience some form of sexual abuse or harassment in their lifetime one in three like that's you know you're going to know somebody that has experienced it Mm Mm-hmm but you know when you say a athlete shouldn't have to play by same rules as say someone like you and I where we are in a position of influence over somebody that could be vulnerable i would say athletes have that times 10 like absolutely everyone listens to what athletes says looks up to them especially kids or mm-hmm. you know whoever you know we look up to these people because they Are the closest thing to like superhuman that we know, at least physically. And to say that they don't have influence and then add that with, say, bad character or, you know, someone who can't control themselves in certain situations, that this guy, he could pitch in front of millions of people on TV and thousands of people in the stadium under the most difficult situation, but he can't keep his hands off somebody.
1: Mm. Like,
0: doesn't make sense to me. I
1: think just the concept that athletes especially are above the law, kind of been around for a long time. There have been various athletes in all sports accused of, and even convicted of domestic assault, sexual assault, other crimes. And it's just sort of hush, hush, you know, like swept under the rug. They continue playing. There's no real consequences. Usually charges get dropped or don't even make it to trial. It's astounding that, uh, these athletes can escape punishment for crimes that average person would likely, you know, go to prison for or uh, anything uh, like that. And they can still continue to work their jobs, making millions of dollars and live the lifestyles that they live, regardless of having committed those crimes and regardless of the impact it's had on their victims.
0: Mm -hmm. And I applaud the Jays for doing that. I think it's good that they got rid of a guy that found himself in this type of situation I would be okay if he doesn't play another game in baseball Mm -hmm. but you know that's when you have talent like that people forget
1: yeah and it doesn't get rid of the problem obviously by trading him Mm -hmm. he still did what he did if it's you know if he's convicted especially like then you know that he's guilty and I guess one of the things that for people who are upset about what they got in the trade once someone's I mean. I hate to say, like their reputation is tarnished because it's justifiable that uh, if he did assault his partner, then yeah, it should damage his reputation. But once someone's reputation is "quote unquote" tarnished like that, I mean, you can't really get what you might have hoped for in uh, in a trade for mm-hmm. that player. It happens a lot in sports, and. I mean, it does kind of just to get rid of the problem for the Blue Jays and their fans, they can kind of just brush it off and say, oh, at least we kind of did something by getting rid of him, but it doesn't get rid of the problem in baseball, in sports, there needs to be a lot more concrete uh, action in order to achieve that.
0: Yeah, and for me, like, that's enough justification, but Mm -hmm. either way... Reports were saying that the Jays were going to probably trade him anyways Mm -hmm. if the Jays weren't competitive this year. And also, considering the circumstances, uh, the return apparently was quite surprising that we managed to get what we got out of Roberto Asuna. Mm -hmm. It is going to be interesting when he goes over to Houston because there were players, because they had a similar incident with a player Mm. on their team, and there were a couple players on the team that were extremely vocal on where they stood on the topic and that you know, they're happy that that player is not going to be playing baseball again. So Justin Verlander, I believe husband to Kate Upton, he was one of the most vocal ones, and he's on Houston. So it'll be interesting to see how now that he ha- has to be confronted by this, where he lies on um, this. To
1: respond. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And this isn't just a problem in baseball, it's a problem in, in all sports. And I can speak a bit about uh, hockey and the NHL, and kind of more so where my knowledge is in general and on this subject. So we all know about Patrick Kane, who uh, in 2015 was accused of rape and he was never convicted because apparently there wasn't enough evidence and i think the charges ended up being dropped i can't remember exactly how it went but
0: i think uh what happened was the victim wasn't not cooperating more mm-hmm. but right like just before it. that the rape kit was mailed to the mother's house yeah. like it was the a whole
1: investigation was sort of just bizarre unprofessional. like yeah yeah And it wasn't the first time that Patrick Kane had been accused of something like that. He was also accused of choking a woman, and he was also proven guilty of beating up a cab driver over a very small amount of money Mm -hmm. at the beginning of his career. So, especially when someone has a track record of violence, it just blows my mind that you can have this narrative of. He was, you know, wrongfully accused and he came back and had this heroic season and overcame adversity by scoring all these points. Like that just is enough to make any female hockey fan sick to their stomachs. Like that was the whole narrative around his successful season was that it was all due to his overcoming his adversity of the Mm -hmm. rate charge. Like what like world is that adversity when you Bring something upon yourself due to your own actions and you know in, engaging in a non-consensual sexual activity like yeah like, that's all you it's no adversity there's
0: that's so many levels to it too that like just the, and a lot of it has to do with the media and how they mm-hmm. choose to report it totally. you see with the rapist uh, brock turner mm-hmm. and how they continue even to this day like He was in the news like last week because I think he was, I don't know, trying to do something in the court with his charges uh, that he has. And they still say like former swimmer, Mm -hmm. Brock Turner, instead of the rapist or, you know, the person charged with sexual assault. Whereas a lot of people don't get that benefit of the doubt if they aren't rich or celebrity or super talented or athletic. Or white. <laughs> exactly, right? And, you know, there's countless examples of that. Mm-hmm. I think it's, uh, we see where in the NFL, there's a totally different priority put on where they accept and they allow people who have beaten their wives or girlfriends mm-hmm. on the teams. They allow people who have DUIs and yeah. do a whole bunch of other stuff. But where they draw the line is where people are are taking a knee to the anthem Mm -hmm. to the point where this year you see people like jerry jones the owner of the dallas cowboys saying if you do that you're not on the team anymore but yet they have convicted players that have done you know all these other things
1: Mm -hmm. yeah there have been many many players uh in sports and going back to hockey especially uh convicted of and accused of domestic assault often uh, repeatedly where the victim is saying it's not you know the first time that this has happened and there just aren't any consequences and one of the more recent cases was against a king's defenseman or former king's defenseman uh, Slava Boinov and he actually spent a couple months in jail and he was about to be uh, deported back to Russia and he was suspended for a while and then he so he just kind of left and went back to Russia before, like, he was deported. And then the partner, his wife, uh, I think, I believe, was saying that it wasn't the first time that this happened to her. And Warna uh, was still permitted to practice with the team. He was still, like, property of the team. And now he's, I think, trying to come back uh, to the team. So a lot of people are saying that any conviction or charge of uh, domestic abuse uh, should be a lifetime ban from the league. And uh, in 2016, the NHL started to implement some training, but from what I read, it was just sort of like a one-hour session on sexual assault and domestic assault and sexual harassment. And then that was that. There's still no official policy Uh, cases are just kind of handled on a case-by-case basis and the definition of what could qualify uh, someone for being disciplined by the league is pretty vague. So yeah, there is really not very many consequences for hockey players that have committed sexual assault or domestic assault.
0: Yeah, for sure. And this conversation is obviously going to come up again, over and over again. And so I do recommend anyone who's listening to be involved and, you know, take a stand and, you know, just not allow this type of behavior to be okay. We have other professions that people just can't do stuff like this and they lose their livelihood because they make these type of decisions. So why can't a pro athlete who has millions and millions of dollars on the line be held to those same expectations? So of course I could go on and on about all the different comments of how the Jays organization is stupid to let a talent like that go over something that's not even proven in court yet. But I think it's, again, worth noting that there were a lot of people defending the decision to not have Roberto Osuna play for the Blue Jays again. And I think a big reason why we have that kind of outlook today is because of something like the hashtag me too movement that we saw really take over our news over the last maybe year or so Mm -hmm. you know i'll give you a little more information about that if you haven't heard about it Uh, me too the term was coined by a community organizer slash social activist by the name of tarana burke she actually first used it in 2006 on something that maybe some of the younger people might not know it was called myspace (laughs) (laughs) so on myspace uh was another social media outlet that we had where everyone was friends with a guy named tom he's the creator of it so he i guess he wanted a lot of friends so he made this thing um but it was like a sort of social media thing that really heavily i think revolved around music as its like base Mm -hmm. of you know where you come from with it but then it's Not too different than a lot of the Facebooks and stuff like that we see. Anyways, so she used that term on uh, MySpace. And it it was inspired by when a 13-year-old girl confided with her about her experience with abuse. And while listening to that experience, you know, in her head she kept on saying, I wish I could just say, me too, to her. So she tried to use it on MySpace and I guess it didn't really take off to the level that we see it today. But where we start to see it again is when in October we saw Ashley Judd tell her story about her experiences with Harvey Weinstein. And then all the other women that started talking about their experiences with Harvey Weinstein. And then shortly after, in the same month of October 2017, Alyssa Milano, she encouraged people to use the hashtag MeTo to talk about the sexual assault or harassment that you've experienced and to show that just so common in all walks of life.
1: So it's not, Me Too doesn't only apply to sexual assault or abuse or domestic assault. It can also apply to everyday sexual harassment that so many women encounter just walking down the street or going out to a bar, any place where you can be uh, come into contact with type of sexual harassment, whether it's cat calls or a guy that's a little bit too persistent and won't leave you alone or someone touching you inappropriately on public transit. It happens anywhere and everywhere. And this uh, hashtag really allowed all women to talk about their experiences, uh, no matter how minor it might seem to people who who have never experienced it. It's still uh, a really big deal to women, especially when it's something that you can encounter almost every day. So these experiences really add up over a lifetime.
0: For sure. And again, like one in three women experience some form of it. And so if you did a poll, you would be lucky if you didn't know somebody. And chances are, they just probably aren't telling you, really. Mm -hmm. So how Me Too sort of relates to Canadians is we in Canada, if you're listening outside of Canada, might not know these guys, but we have a rock band called Headley. Have you heard of them, Haley? Yeah, I
1: have.
0: Yeah, so Headley, I guess they really started back when I was in early high school time, I remember, because the lead singer, Jacob Hogarth, he was on a show called Canadian Idol. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he was on the first season, I think, of that. I think there was only two seasons anyways, but um, maybe only one. But uh, yeah, he was on that show, and that's where he sort of got famous. And after that, Headley was formed, and they were like the darlings of rock Canadian music for years and years and years. And in February 2018, right when Me Too movement was really pretty strong in the media and we're talking about it constantly, the hashtag #OutHeadley 2 k 18 came out. And with it was a lot of experiences from young women describing their encounters with the band. Horrible that anyone had a bad encounter like that. But some of these women were young, early teens mm-hmm. at the time of their experience with Headley, so it got to the point where radio stations across Canada refused to play Headley songs, and they were also dropped from performing at the Juno Awards that year. And shortly after, they were fired by their management company.
1: And I believe they uh, took an indefinite leave from mm-hmm. producing music.
0: Unfortunately, they didn't do it right away. Yeah, after so, a while. Yeah, they were on tour at the time mm-hmm. that this stuff was happening and they decided to finish out their tour. Mm-hmm.
1: And a lot of people still kept going to the shows because, <laughs> like we talked about earlier uh, with the athletes, the band still had so many fans, a lot of whom were very dedicated, who had tattoos on their bodies of the band and who just refused to believe that this was possible.
0: Yeah, so there was a ta- there is a tattoo artist by the name of Lizzie Renault. She runs the Speakeasy Tattoo in Toronto, and she offered to cover up uh, Headley tattoos for mm-hmm. people at a sliding scale, so it's what you can afford. If you could come out to her, then she'd be willing to do a cover up for you. And when she announced that, obviously it got quite a bit of media attention. But on Twitter, she received thousands of threats from Headley fans, mm-hmm. like. Uh, that they were going to like ruin the shop or they're going to kill her or yeah. all these type of things like people were crazy about headley to the point that i didn't even know
1: mm-hmm. me neither mm-hmm. the secret underworld <laughs> of canadian rock <laughs> 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 but yeah, I mean, some of the ways that people reacted, whether it's to this case or to uh, cases where people's favorite athletes are concerned, you see a lot of victim blaming, saying that person should have, you know, been more clear, or like she shouldn't have been drinking, or wearing this, or just the kind of typical responses that are victim blaming that you tend to hear from. People about sexual assault cases or uh, anything like that so you definitely uh, saw and still see a lot of that going on uh, in this case for sure
0: yeah some of the comments were even to the point where some young women were saying you wish you were raped by headley mm-hmm.
1: pretty disturbing
0: yeah uh, the cbc had an article recently where they talked to the one woman that is the lead victim or witness towards the assault that mm-hmm. she experienced and that is sort of uh, where the lead singer Jacob Hogart he has been recently charged mm-hmm. his official charges are so on July 23rd Jacob Hogart was charged with three charges two counts of sexual assault causing bodily harm and one count of sexual interference so if you're not too familiar with that that is only given when the alleged victim is under the age of 16 quite serious charges Mm -hmm. yeah the cbc does have a article about that where they interviewed the one of the women who um reported her experience with uh jacob Hogarth, and it's quite detailed and quite graphic and if that's something you want to read up you should check it out because it's it's really upsetting to read stuff like Mm -hmm. that but of course you know obviously if you know, that's something that may be triggering to you, then don't check it out.
1: Yeah, I like how when he decided to take the leave of absence of, to examine his behavior towards women, woman, because you don't think that someone repeatedly telling you stop or no during a sexual encounter would already do that for you. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's not. It And also, like, in the last performance that they had when he was leaving the stage, his words were, this is good night, not goodbye. So I guess he's hinting at the fact that he probably is going to have a, you know, big triumphant comeback mm-hmm. attempt.
1: Incoming adversity. Yeah. <laughs> favorite buzzwords regarding rape allegations. But...
0: Yeah. Well, when he gets to jail and they find out that some of the charges, I'm sure he will have some adversity to deal with there
1: Mm actually when it comes to assault on a minor
0: Mm -hmm. for sure uh not that we condone any violence at all but uh, that's the reality so again back to the topic that we want to discuss today is you know we see these fans that continue to go to the headley concert up until the end of the tour uh we see in where It's sort of scary, I think, for me, thinking of how these parents are taking young girls to go see them. One woman was interviewed and said, I think it's important for my daughter to know what is right and what is wrong and what good morals are and what are bad morals. But you're taking her to see a guy that sings and that is accused of doing all these things. Which is no surprise why her daughter, when interviewed, said honestly, I just believe they are people saying what they want to say. And we don't know what if it's actually true or not. So they're innocent until proven guilty. And that doesn't affect me much. And then she continues to say, we try not to jump to conclusions when we hear rumors. So we're just going to have fun and enjoy the concert. You know, that kind of attitude is not helpful. Mm -hmm. Because just because it doesn't happen to you, you want to just ignore it and pretend yeah, it's not there exactly. and you want to support a guy that it has these type of accusations and you know mm-hmm. it's not like it's one or two yeah it's uh young women it's uh older women they're people from the entertainment business like mm-hmm. people who are radio show hosts that are saying this is what they've experienced also if you know uh if anonymous twitter user is not good enough mm-hmm. is a radio host good enough for you yeah because there's Ones that have said the same thing.
1: And it's not just like, you know, people decide one day, you know, I'm going to make up like an allegation of sexual assault against this person because, you know, I don't like them or I want to get back at them or I'm jealous of them or whatever. Like, it's a very serious thing to say this happened to me. And statistics have proven that a very small percentage, I believe it's like, two point something percent of sexual assault allegations are false so someone's saying these things and if a bunch of people are saying them then it's probably not false or at least there's some merit to it
0: Mm -hmm, for sure and like what gets me here also like this mother continues to say I'm here with my daughter so I'm not worried for her safety or things like that But I just try to teach her right and hopefully things like this won't affect her. You could also teach her how to stand up for what's right. Mm -hmm. Um, You could also teach her to not be okay with things like this. How to take a stand. You may lose, you know, 60 bucks because you bought a ticket. But then, you know, the moral stand that you make of not going is a little bit more valuable than seeing a guy sing.
1: Mm -hmm. And how do you think that the parents of the girls who are the possible victims in this case feel like they probably thought they were protecting their child or doing what was best for their child and you know their their daughter whoever still got assaulted so no matter if you have the best intentions as a parent you can't be everywhere all the time and you can say you know i'm i'm here with her so i'm not worried about her people who commit these kind of crimes or put it <laughs> they're tricky or they're like they account for that kind of stuff they know how to get the victim away from their parents or like whoever's supposed to be watching them so. yeah
0: for sure you know just looking at human trafficking mm-hmm. like these pimps and human traffickers they know what to look for mm-hmm. they don't just go after everyone they specifically look for certain characteristics, certain signs that they know that they could easily pulate somebody into trusting them enough that they could get them. It's uh, Headley's original sort of response to when all these Twitter accusations were happening were that they've done some bad things in the, in the past. They lived this rock style lifestyle, mm-hmm. but yet there were some lines that weren't crossed. And now they have daughters and they have wives. So they don't do those type of things anymore. Which is another problem is with this idea that you need to have a reason to feel like women deserve safety. Mm -hmm. Women deserve, feel equality and equity. You can only be a feminist if you have, you know, a daughter to teach you that women are important. Mm -hmm. Which is the excuse that too many men give that is you know how to get into it and you know I admit you know when I really started to take things seriously is because there were people close to me that I thought you know it's scary for them and that's why I'm really reading up and learning more about feminist issues but we're learning so much more that hopefully people in the future just don't need these reasons to start feeling this way.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Haley, imagine something for me. Okay. Imagine you owned a business.
1: Uh-huh. I'm successful. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and imagine I was able to give you an opportunity to potentially advertise your business to 10, 50, 100, a million people, potentially.
1: I would be very intrigued.
0: Okay. Well, if you're intrigued when you're listening to this right now, then you could contact us at podcast at project toronto.org and talk to us about how to get your ad on this podcast we have access to potentially millions of listeners you know millions of people listen to podcasts so it's That's only true. a matter of time before they listen to this one and you could get on the ground floor on our podcast and know that 100 of what you pay to be on the podcast will go directly towards our operation over at red dot project and that is going towards providing supplies for people who are menstruating and experiencing homelessness in Toronto. If you're interested, please contact us at the email podcast at red.projecttoronto.org. So I'm going to throw a name at you and tell me if you remember this name because I feel like people might not remember it as much as they should. Gian Gomeshi.
1: Of course.
0: Yes. So, before Me Too, well, before what we know what Me Too mm-hmm. is today, we had a big case that occurred in Canada in 2014, yeah. is where radio host mm-hmm. um, of the show Q on CBC Radio talked a lot about, you know, media and things that are happening in the arts in Canada, and it did a good job. And the host of it, Gian Meshi, was charged with four counts of sexual assault and one count of overcoming resistance by choking. And how that lies, sort of what we're talking with today, is it opened up the conversation for a lot of these ideas of what consent is, what power looks like in the workplace, what it looks like when people just don't stand up against these type of things. Mm -hmm. All these type of things that we see with the Me Too movement, we saw in canada in mm-hmm. in the CBC that was happening for years it got to the point with him that in 2012 western university journalism students were told not to go do internships at q because of the rumored behaviors that were going on over there
1: yes yeah, so there are quite a few reports of gian gomeshi especially with interns kind of coming up to them and just like brushing against them or like touching them and and things that he really shouldn't be doing in the workplace, especially not without consent from the person on the other side.
0: And that's one of the things, right? Like the workplace, everyone knew he was this guy that mm-hmm. wasn't, I guess people just said he wasn't a good person to date because he's a jerk or, or he does, people say he does things and stuff like that, but no one did anything about it. Mm-hmm. And it's not until... A couple women were willing to stand up and say, this is my experience with them. That that CBC itself decided to actually do something about it. Yeah. So an actress that did uh, talk about her experiences with him, she was not treated well. Mm -hmm. Because John Gomeshi at the time was one of the biggest things in Canadian radio. Mm -hmm. So he had all this power that people kissed his ass for so long. They needed him there because they wanted to hopefully benefit from John brings that they didn't want him to be taken down so when she came out with her experiences people a lot of people dismissed them
1: Mm -hmm. and people were very critical of the way that was of what happened after she was assaulted by him like saying if you were assaulted then why did you keep in contact with him or why did you have a conversation with him over email or send him a picture there isn't any one way that a person responds to a sexual assault or to trauma in general and it's actually been proven that a lot of sexual assault victims will sort of try to normalize what happened to them or just try to kind of brush it off by continuing to try and have a relationship with the perpetrator. So really, it's not that out of the ordinary, but people really used uh, that to discredit her and her testimony about what happened.
0: When you are somebody who's trying to make it in the industry, and you have this powerful person in the industry that says they will do things to make your career better the industry is built in a way that it sort of allows and it tells you that you should expect these things to -hmm. happen and this is sort of the hoops you have to jump through in order to make it Mm -hmm. unfortunately
1: yeah and with the whole gian gomeshi trial just really devolved into typical way that A lot of sexual assault trials and cases unfortunately goes like oh there's no evidence and it's he said she said and oh i just like it rough and that's why i punched you (laughs) it's just my preference it wasn't an assault and that was basically the judgment in the trial
0: yeah and you know that's the biggest thing right if if consent's not there Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what your preference is if the other person doesn't allow or doesn't feel like that's okay then it's not
1: okay mm-hmm. and so he ended up being acquitted all the charges Yep. and nothing ever came of it there even though there were multiple women accusing him and i mean his lawyer was a, a very powerful female lawyer and she apparently had no problem representing someone who appeared to be guilty of these charges even though it couldn't necessarily be proven. I mean like we said earlier when you have multiple people saying that they have this same type of negative experience with one person it's pretty likely that that's a fact and it's not just something they all came together. People who didn't know each other all came together and made up.
0: And that also reminds me of what the young woman who was interviewed by CBC about the Headley experience. The reason why she didn't talk about it at first And why a lot of women don't talk about it, especially when it involves celebrities, is because they don't want to be known as the person that Hedley raped or Mm -hmm. the person that uh, Gian Gomeshi beat up during sex and things like that. That's not what they want to... like. That throws them into this different type of world where that's all they're going to be known for. So there's a lot of reasons why women choose not to report or why they react certain ways, and it's not up to us to judge mm-hmm. their reactions. Or
1: say what's right and what's not. Mm-hmm. And going back to what you were saying before about how men who commit sexual assault or other crimes are still portrayed in the media not as what they are, like as a rapist or you know, domestic abuser, it's like former athlete or like mm-hmm. whatever, and I think, it's kind of similar for women who are victims, but they get underrepresented for like what they've done. Like in the Gian Gomeschi case, Lucy Ducotero, she was the actress um, who accused him and she was also a pilot in the Canadian Air Force, I believe. Oh, but, wow. Like, nobody ever mentions that. It's just like, yeah. oh, she was an actress. She was on Trailer Park Boys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she also did some other really cool things that nobody talks about because they're like, oh, yeah, just another actress, like, saying that someone sexually assaulted them to, I don't know, what they so hope to bring to bring down a guy. Yeah. You know, why know. would they, like, what would they hope to achieve out of that? Like, you don't get anything positive like in return for making that kind of allegation Mm -hmm. or like there's really nothing like good for you that happens (laughs) Like even if they do get charged you're still going to be living with constant victim blaming and threats from people who are saying that you're just looking for attention or whatever
0: in most cases it's a lot more difficult for the person who comes out and says they've experienced this than it is for the person who gets accused and Mm -hmm. I like we always say poor Gian for having to deal with this poor Patrick Kane Mm -hmm. poor poor, you know Roberto Osuna but it's a lot harder once these people's names get out there who experience this type of trauma that that's what people know them as right that's Mm -hmm. how people introduce them as and things like that and that's something a cloud that you have to keep over your head for who knows how long
1: And if it really wasn't true, then, like, it doesn't affect you, your reputation. Or, like, if you really didn't do it, then, like, and you know that for yourself and, like, there's some kind of proof that it's not true or whatever, then, like, it doesn't matter because that's not going to affect you. People will forget about it. People will forget about it even if you did do it. So, like, really, if you're someone famous, unless it's something really big, the Harvey Weinstein case and like you were saying, people have even probably forgotten about the Giangomeshi case already. So it is really a lot harder for the victims than it is for the perpetrators.
0: Yeah, and the biggest reason why a lot of women don't seek legal action is because that like the Giangomeshi case, it gets acquitted or there's not enough evidence or things like that, like to get a charge placed is extremely hard, mm-hmm. but to have that charge stick is like, it seems almost impossible yeah. because court of law you need without reasonable doubt mm-hmm. that this happened. And to be able to prove something when there's only two people that's in a room,
1: yeah, it's exactly, so yeah.
0: hard. So to put yourself through that media circus and stuff mm-hmm. like that, just to not get the result that you deserve. Is...
1: Yeah, and the cross-examiner from the other person's lawyer who's usually this you know, big powerful lawyer and they're going through every aspect of your history like since you've been sexually active questioning every decision that you've ever made and like making you look like you're not credible is not something that I don't think anyone would want to go through.
0: By the time you hit court and even if you went to the police right away and they got charged and then went to court as soon as possible it's already months already passed. And then they ask you questions of like, what did you eat that day? (laughs) Who did you call?
1: Yeah, what were you wearing? Yeah, and you can't
0: look at your phone. You can't Mm -hmm. do anything. And you have to try to answer those questions on the spot. And then if you mix something up the first time compared to the second time they interview, then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden you're not credible anymore. Yeah,
1: exactly. When we all know that that's not how the human memory works. And the human memory is actually very faulty and yeah there's going to be discrepancies and there's going to be gaps that your brain will try to fill in if you don't remember exactly how something happened doesn't mean that it didn't happen it's just the way that you remember it might not be entirely accurate
0: Mm -hmm, for sure so another big response to like things like this especially with men is two responses there's one that women are evil and they're trying to bring down men Mm -hmm. And then the other response is, I'm not like those guys. I'm different. And both of those responses aren't good. And they're not helpful. They don't benefit anybody. And they actually do more harm than good in regards to this type of conversation. When you you continue to put the blame on the victim, it stops other future victims for wanting to come forward and talking about their experiences.
1: It makes it more of an individual problem than a cultural
0: problem. And then the issue with saying I'm not one of those guys Mm -hmm. is the fact that you are a guy and you have this power in society Mm -hmm. that it could easily be you. And even if you would never do that, Mm -hmm. you do have that perceived threat that women have towards you because you are a man. Mm -hmm. So to try to distance yourself from that possibility means you're just sort of wanting to sweep it under the rug and say it's not your problem
1: mm-hmm. when
0: you have to then actively make sure other guys aren't doing this stuff. yeah exactly you know be an ally use your power to support people who are victims to this
1: mm-hmm. and yeah no matter how good your intentions are we're still influenced by our society and by the people who get Certain privileges and people who don't have those privileges. So if you are a guy, then no matter how much yeah you say oh, I would never do that, then you're still influenced by the idea that you are superior and that you know, a woman shouldn't talk back to you or whatever. So I mean, you don't actually know what you would do when it came to a situation where. You had the opportunity to exercise that power or when you're with your partner and you want to have sex but they don't what are you going to do so it's all about those moments and making you know, the right choice that isn't about exercising that power but respecting the person who doesn't have that
0: mm mm-hmm. and it's important to know that like If you aren't one of those people, then you have to stand up against it because the people who are those people, they are starting to organize more so than they ever had before. You know, you see groups like incel groups, you see Proud Boys and all these chapters popping up all over North America right now. And we just can't allow these things to continue to grow underneath in the corners and crevices of the internet until the point where they have so much power that they are creating groups in universities and colleges and recruiting more and more young men to believe in these ideas.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially uh, going back to the ban attack, or that was one of the groups that the perpetrator was allegedly part of. This Incel group, who uh, you know they say they're involuntary celibate because women won't sleep with them when really they're probably just pretty creepy and won't leave them alone <laughs> they don't know how to like take no for an answer mm-hmm.
0: so i really wanted a podcast on that mm-hmm. area of the internet <laughs> so i think we should do that one day soon so this uh all ties into a lot of things that you know what we have to really try to start thinking about is how do we talk about this stuff with youth especially young boys If you listen to one of the past episodes where we talk about the health curriculum and the repeal of Mm -hmm. the curriculum where they're going back to a curriculum that doesn't really talk about consent. Mm -hmm. With the Me Too movement, we saw people like Aziz Ansari and and Louis C.K. Both of them, their idea of what consent was, was wrong. Mm -hmm. And that's what put them in a situation where they caused harm to at least our one woman that we know of and then we see a number of young female comedians mm. where they said oh i i got consent but i just didn't know the consent that they had was also tied in with their power that they have mm-hmm. and the fact that these women just weren't feeling like they're in a position where they could say no
1: yeah absolutely so it kind of illustrates why education on consent is so important and when you're taking a step backwards by removing that from the curriculum you're just producing another generation of boys and, and men who don't necessarily know what consent actually is and why it's important.
0: Again talking about that health curriculum so far an update on that is that 20 school boards I believe so far have openly said that they do not agree with the repeal of the health curriculum and they are going to choose to hopefully, and they do it, is continue to teach these topics that mm-hmm. are missing. The The woman in charge of education, I believe she said that it's not that these teachers can't talk about these things. They can have private conversations with students mm-hmm. on these topics because I'm sure we all want our teachers to pull kids aside and be alone with them when they're talking about things like LGBT issues or consent or sexual assault or any of this mm-hmm. type of stuff like you know this isn't stuff that if you're a teacher you probably don't want to be alone with the student
1: talking about this yeah. stuff You know, i don't see how parents would feel more comfortable with that than with having the teacher discuss those issues with the whole class but a lot of teachers are saying now that they just don't know what they're supposed to talk about and school is like a month away so they better get that organized.
0: Uh, so, going back onto consent, uh, sex and CA, they define consent as voluntary agreement to engage in sexual activity. If you ever want to have a very clear understanding of consent, there's this clever video.
1: Oh, is it the T one? Yeah, yeah. the
0: T and consent video. If you Google that, it's like such a simple way to understand it that makes total sense. If mm-hmm. you just relate it to. giving someone
1: a cup of tea (laughs)
0: exactly you know if they say at some point they don't want it after it's made then you just don't give it to them
1: Mm -hmm. if they're unconscious you do not force them to drink the tea
0: (laughs) (laughs) exactly like it's just so simple and you know if you just show that video to everybody and maybe people will be able to understand because we've seen over and over again all these cases of people going downtown going clubbing and a woman getting really drunk and then a guy you know basically carrying them into his hotel room mm-hmm. and then there's uh, the next day she wakes up and realizes what's happened and she had no idea that all this stuff was happening while mm-hmm. she was passed out so some other notes that you have to understand with consent is consent must be freely given It cannot be given by someone who is intoxicated, unconscious, or considered incapable of giving consent. It cannot be freely given if followed after threats to personal safety or threats to harm others. Huffington Post, they have an article about eight things that men should know about what consent looks like. The things that they list are understanding how it can be given, consent expires, it's not just about sex, so it's about hugging Mm -hmm. kissing things like that ignorance is not bliss so if you're unsure don't just go for it Uh, check on expectations you should just ask you know make it clear
1: Mm
0: -hmm. even though we build this idea of asking is unromantic yeah it's not in the
1: moment (laughs) yeah
0: You know, just because it's, we have this idea where, like, it has to be raining and you guys are in a big fight. And then <laughs> the guy grabs the woman and just kisses her and you then. Think you have the notebook? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. But, yeah, you know, that's our idea of what romance is. And we think that it has to be like that. But consent can be sexy, too. Mm-hmm. Not getting raped is uh, pretty attractive. And uh, yeah, also some other things that they list is get specific. So know where the limits are, know sort of what you're all agreeing to. And then also know yourself, know what you're okay with Mm -hmm. and how far you're willing to go in certain situations. So yeah, um, you know, I think that's sort of where we have to really start understanding is that we got to teach everybody what consent looks like at a young age.
1: Mm -hmm. because yeah like Phil said it can be anything from you know like giving someone a hug or holding their hand or whatever you should always make sure that it's okay before you do that because people are comfortable with different things
0: yeah and I know like people think it's too far but I think it's uh, the more I think about it and I don't have kids myself so I don't know exactly I'm not talking about like from my experience but there's a lot of parents now that say they don't force their kids to hug their aunts and uncles mm-hmm. or give them a kiss and things like that. You know, you teach the young child that if they choose, they feel comfortable to do that, then they can. If not, then it's up to the adult to understand that the child doesn't want to do that mm-hmm. and move on. And I know that gets a lot of backlash, but not a bad idea to start teaching them stuff like that at young. Um, it's because
1: to set boundaries like that.
0: Yeah, for sure. Because if we look at statistics, it's a higher chance that children are getting assaulted and abused by people that they know. Mm -hmm. So if these people are their uncles, their aunts, or, you know, other people that have power over them, if you teach at a young age that they have to hug or kiss, Mm -hmm. it doesn't leave as much space for them to speak up or tell you as a parent that or that they have experienced something that they're uncomfortable with.
1: Mm-hmm. And if there's a relative or someone in your family that your kid is uncomfortable hugging, then you might want to find out why that is as well.
0: hmm Yeah. Yeah. Anything else that you want to talk about before we close this off?
1: I guess going back to the sports thing, particularly uh, in hockey... If you're a user on Reddit, there's uh, someone who has compiled a spreadsheet of every hockey player who has been accused or convicted of sexual assault, domestic violence, um, any other charge that sort of falls within that realm, and that's in the subreddit r slash hockey. So if you're interested in looking at that, it's like pretty disturbing, but also really insightful as to uh, how many players have been charged and accused of these crimes and what has been done about it. So pretty much nothing. And I also wanted to take this opportunity to give a shout out to a player who was never accused of anything remotely inappropriate and who has recently announced his retirement, and it's Jerome Ginla the epitome of class of (laughs) hockey players who will be dearly missed by myself and all other Calgary Flames fans. May he have a long and happy retirement. (laughs) And that's my blatant Calgary Flames fandom piece for today.
0: (laughs) I'm sure we'll find some more Calgary Flames material to talk about in a future podcast. Yes. But I guess you can hear the music playing now so that means this episode of red dot project is all done for today so if you enjoyed what you've been listening to today and you want to hear more make sure you subscribe to us on your podcast app or podcast media player whichever one it may be
1: you can contact us with your ideas for podcast topics or any suggestions or questions you may have at podcast at red dot project So
0: until next time, be good.
1: <laughs> Always get some